Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. One family, many homes. That hasn't just been a, a slogan for us over the last year, that's been our story, that's been our reality. And looking back at, at that video, looking back on the last year, uh, God has been faithful. It's obviously been one of the toughest years in many of our lives. I don't want to diminish that in any way at all. I want to acknowledge the pain, the frustration, the loneliness, the struggle, the weakness, the many, many challenges we've gone through. But, you know, we can also look back, look around, and look forward and say together, yes, God is good. He has been true to all his promises. He is the rock of ages. He hasn't left us. He hasn't abandoned us. He's been with us every step of the way, often working in spite of our circumstances and sometimes through them. He is the hope of nations. Someone reminded me yesterday of that beautiful moment in 1 Samuel 7 verse 12 uh, where Samuel uh, puts up a stone of remembrance and he calls it Ebenezer saying, thus far the Lord has helped us. And I look back on uh, 2020, 21, and I say, thus far the Lord has helped us. I look around at this amazing building and I can't wait for you all to come and see it and worship the Lord in this space. But thus far, the Lord has helped us. As I've reflected on this last year, I've come to a surprising conclusion. I really didn't expect to notice this, to discover this. And it's this. This has been a year when many of the prophecies that have been hanging over our lives as a church have been fulfilled. Who would have expected that? Against all odds, this has been a year where words have come to pass. So, for example, on this day, Vision Sunday in 2017, I stood and I, I preached about prayer and the poor. Again and again, I said, we are to be a church that's about prayer and about the poor. And, you know, we made progress over the last four years. But this has been the year when more than ever before I look around and say, we are a community now of prayer and the poor. We are living in that word. Prayer, well, over 1,100 prayer meetings this year under Jill's brilliant leadership. 26 prayer meetings a week. Guys, we're not aspiring to be a house of prayer. We are a house of prayer for the nations. We are a praying community. There is a raging furnace of intercession at the heart of this church, and that is good news for Guildford and Woking and Aldershot. That is good news for our nation, because I tell you, what if all your hope is in politics all your hope is in the economy all your hope is in trying harder good luck with that we need a God who breaks in and we know the key to that is prayer we are a praying community and I want to tell you those 26 prayer meetings it's not just a couple of old ladies and a goat we love old ladies and we love goats 
It is uh, lots of you. Some of you haven't missed a prayer meeting in over a year. Every day. Thank you. But we're also a community radically committed to making a difference in the lives of the marginalized, the poor, the broken. At the end of one of the most challenging years ever, I can tell you that we have more than doubled, more than doubled our work amongst the poor and the marginalized this year under Eric and Rebecca Jesperson's phenomenal resilient leadership. Thank you guys. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. In 2018, another prophetic word in our midst from Julian Adams. Uh, he, He singled out our worship leaders and he said, you are going to release sounds from this church that will soothe the soul of a troubled generation. I think that word is remarkable for two reasons. Firstly, because we didn't know how troubled the generation was about to become. And secondly, because Pete Burton, our lead worship guy, is not the kind of guy that you'd look at and say he's going to create the next Enya album. Do you know what I mean? He's into like rip a roaring guitar and the red hot chili peppers and Santana and all the rest of it. He's not like Mr. Seuss, you know. And yet that was the word. But this year, our worship guys have fulfilled that prophetic word by releasing into the light, which is soothing the soul of a troubled generation. We've had word after word over the years about venues, and boy, we have been on a journey and we've had battles about buildings. But here we are in a fulfilled uh, prophecy in the founder's studio. Isn't it amazing that it's called studio? And one of the things we're going to be doing from this space is streaming. And the story's been extraordinary. It was a number of years ago in August that I, I think Simon Jones or I saw the advert for uh, this space and we pounced and we started renting it. And that was before we started meeting the Yvonne Arnaud Theatre immediately over the road. For those of you in Guildford, you'll know it. And this venue enabled us, made that venue viable because it's our breakout space. But it's used continually, it's used throughout the week for alpha and prayer and after school clubs and all kinds of stuff. And then when the owner said they're going to sell it, we thought, oh, help, we're going to have to buy it and I don't know if we can afford it. And we put in the best offer we could and the owner said, it's not enough money. And we thought, rats. And then it went to auction because the owner obviously thought he was going to get more money. And we won at auction and we got this building for £40,000 less than we had originally offered. (laughs) Isn't that good news? And uh, then uh, you will remember it was in a right old state that everyone romanticizes the 24-7 prayer room here, but it smelt of the toilets. And there was like a tree growing out of the roof. And this place was probably not safe. And we realized, oh no, we've got to refurb it. You guys were unbelievably generous. We raised money to refurb this. um, And we are so grateful to every one of you who's given a fiver a month or whatever it is to make this possible. But then we had a logistical challenge. We had the money, but we're like, when on earth are we going to shut down this building for one or two terms in order to refurb it because it's used continually. We prayed about it, God didn't say anything, (laughs) and now we know why, because we went into the unthinkable. It wasn't just our activities in Founders that were shut down uh, for a year, it was the nation. And so we've been able to refurb, and from next week, 
you know we'll be worshipping in person here. And uh, then, you, you guys, all the tickets are gone for next week, but you can uh, book tickets right up to the summer. So book ahead. And the reason you're having to book free, free tickets is we are going to make this safe. It's going to be safer than going to the supermarket. It'll be social distancing. We have to restrict numbers. But this is the beginning of us getting back into Ho Valley School, back into Yvonne Arno Theatre, uh, starting to meet publicly in Aldershot and so on. We are excited. A prophetic word about venues has begun to be fulfilled this year. And then Julian Adams also prophesied over us in 2018 this. I'm going to read it to you. He said, you are going to see acceleration. Believe it or not, this year we haven't just survived, we've accelerated. He said, there is going to be a supernatural grace in the area of financial generosity. And because of the generosity of this church, there will be resource for many different contexts. He then said, just get ready. God is going to do some amazing things. Um, Adam Heather was reflecting on that prophecy from Julian Adams. And he himself had received a a prophetic word from our friend Justin Blake uh, about this uh, idea of us being a storehouse of hope. And that resonates with, with what Julian Adams says here. This will be a resource to many people. And so because of that, I want us to look together now at the classic uh, passage in the Bible about being a storehouse of hope. And uh, some of you would have guessed this is Joseph. And uh, from next week, we're launching a major series on uh, the story of Joseph, which we think is an absolutely key message for us as a church at this particular uh, time. So uh, I, I, I just want to uh, look with you at Genesis chapter 41, verses 53 uh, to 57. And the background, as you may recall, is Pharaoh's had a, a dream. Uh, he's seen seven fat cows gobbled up by seven uh, scrawny cows. He's looked for someone to interpret it, and Joseph has been pulled out of prison and comes and interprets the dream. Verse 53 of Genesis 41. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began. Just as Joseph had said, there was famine in all the other lands, that's the scrawny cows, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. And then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Now remember, Joseph has uh, seen this coming because he's interpreted the dream and they've, they've erected storehouses and in the seven years of plenty they have stored food unlike the other nations. Verse 56, when the famine had spread all over the whole country, Joseph opened all the storehouses and he sold grain to the Egyptians for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all, listen to this, all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe everywhere. We are a church that is committed to listening to God, to listening to the prophetic, listening to dreams and visions, and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Scripture, that God speaks and positions a whole nation 
for a crisis through the prophetic. This is certainly a time of great famine. At the risk of stating the obvious, there is a a greater uh, debt than we've had at any point since the Second World War in this nation, more than three billion pounds of debt. We have had, I mean, I kind of shudder to say the stat. God help us if we become familiar with this. We have had, over the last year, 127,000 deaths in this country. 127,000 loved people, people with real families, real jobs. 127,000 have died in this country just from COVID over the last year. And worldwide, that is 3.1 million. There's a mental health crisis associated with the pandemic. Hospital waiting lists are uh, longer than they've ever been. The education of an entire generation has been set back. There are millions of broken hearts that need to be healed. This is a time when we, as the people of God, I believe, must be storehouses of hope for a desperate generation. We are those who in a time of famine have been blessed by God with the feast of his grace and his blessing. And that is why God has entrusted us with resources like this venue, like one another, like the spirit moving amongst us, like the gospel of Jesus Christ, like something within us that causes us to rise up and say, I'm not just going to live for myself. I'm not just going to try and have a nice life and avoid suffering, but I'm going to push into the suffering of the world I'm going to make a difference in the world. I'm going to live for others and not for myself because I am committed to actually being crucified with Christ, dying to myself that I might rise. That is why we have hope for a dying generation because we've done the dying in Jesus and we are now alive and we have hope for the world. We are storehouses of hope. Yes, we can give money. Yes, we can give food. Yes, we can give all kinds of stuff. But the greatest thing we can give is the good news. There is a God in heaven who loves you. You are not an accident. Your life has purpose. Every death breaks the heart of God. There is grace more than your sin and you can know Jesus Christ. Now, yeah, we can give you some food. We can help your kids get shoes to go back to school. We, we, we can plant churches, but please hear me. Our greatest hope is rooted in the good news of Jesus Christ. We do not apologize for that. I have never been less ashamed of the gospel of Christ than I do here now, standing at this moment of famine in our nation's history. I believe God has raised us up to be a storehouse of hope. This is the most important Vision Sunday that we've ever had as a church because this is a moment of historic opportunity. That is not an exaggeration. We are standing on the threshold of the greatest opportunity that we have ever had as a church, and I don't want us to miss it. This is a time when we need to preach the gospel with conviction and courage, because suddenly, and I don't know how long it will last for, people are asking new questions. This is a time for us to play our part in rebuilding our communities, because they need to be rebuilt. If we get this right at this moment in our lives together, over the next year or so, then we are going to be reaping the rewards for decades to come. But if we turn inwards, if we kind of circle the wagons, lick our wounds, hide behind the walls of everything that feels secure, 
we really could miss the opportunity of a lifetime. Some people are just like, let's get back together again. Won't that be lovely? I'm like, let's get out there. Yes, we'll get back together again. Yes, it'll be wonderful to be able to hug you again and see you again. But we are together for a purpose, and this is our moment, and I don't want to miss it. Miss it. Shakespeare uh, captured this kind of sense of urgency perfectly in uh, Julius Caesar, Act 4. I love this. I've often loved this quote. He says, there is a tide in the affairs of men which taken at the flood leads on to fortune, but omitted all the voyage of their life is bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current when it serves or lose our ventures. Guys, this is our moment. We're afloat on a full sea. It's time to weigh anchor. It's time to hoist our sails. It's time to seize the moment lest we regret it for the rest of our lives. I want to show you a picture. You might have seen this before, but I, I saw it for the first time this week and it made me laugh. This guy wrote to webuyanycard.com and uh, he decided that he wanted to try and sell uh, his kid's little tyke's car. And uh, the response he got back is just brilliant. Dear Mr. Jones, after reviewing your request that we value your little tyke's car and viewing the attached photo, we've come to the conclusion that you uh, sent your request uh, uh, so to simply waste our time. The frequency in which you alluded to the toy as a vehicle and also made reference to our name, We Buy Any Car, makes it clear that you know this result was forthcoming. Uh, we have no interest in buying your item, and we've been kind enough to return your photo and ask you to refrain from contacting us again. This is the last time we will contact you sincerely, Adam Jennings. Well, Adam Jennings, thank you so much uh, for your complete lack of uh, sense of humor. Uh, uh, you know, that little story reminds us of the importance of clearly framing expectations. It's essential that we set out what we will and won't do, whether we are webuyanycar.com or whether we are a church. What are we here for? What are we going for? What will we and won't we do? Because often the hard bit is knowing what we're not going to do. And so uh, we've prayerfully over many months been seeking God preparing for this moment Vision Sunday and we have a simple comprehensive five point plan for you that sets out exactly what we want to do and so with your pens uh, that uh, hopefully you've got near you uh, I want to invite you to write A, B, C, D, E on your fingers like this a, B, C, D, E. And uh, really do this, really do this. The whole point is, it'd be great if sort of later today you, you, you look at your fingers and remember this talk. So A, B, C, D, E. Kids, feel free. Doesn't matter if it's a permanent marker. That's your parents' problem, not yours. Let's, let's just do this. A, B, C, D, E. Five points. So the first one, A. A stands for action. At this moment of such opportunity, we are committed to social action. We are committed to pushing forward with our work amongst the marginalized. Over the last year, I said earlier that our work uh, through the Lighthouse, through Love Your Neighbor and so on, has more than doubled. More than 300 volunteers 
fighting injustice. And uh, we, we, we've had over 7,500 people supported over the year with everything from meals for refugees to support for mums with newborn babies. £23,000 worth of debt has been written off. Food deliveries and you name it. Guys, you are incredible. Thank you, thank you for giving your time and giving your money to make a difference in this way. Now, if you're looking at budgets and plans at a moment like this, you've got a choice. You either say, well, that was our response to a, a unique year, and now we need to halve our budgets on caring for the poor. We need to take a step back. It's not sustainable. Or you say, no, that was the beginning of a whole new way of operating. Well, you probably won't be surprised to hear that our strong sense is we should not back off. The need in the nation is greater than ever. This is our moment. Instead of halving our budgets, we want to continue pushing forward in caring for the poor. And uh, so this is, this is an absolute commitment. Uh, lots of people have made comparisons between this moment and the end of the Second World War which was obviously the last great global crisis, just about in the living memory of a very few. It's interesting if you look at what happened at the end of the Second World War. In 1945, you might have expected that the nation would re-elect Winston Churchill as Prime Minister, but instead, by a landslide, Clement Attlee was elected. And that was because the nation said, actually, we've come through the war we have a new hope for a new idealism and a new society. In 1946, under Clement Attlee, Lord Bevan instituted something that would have been unthinkable and impossible without the Second World War, and that was the National Health Service, one of the glories of our nation. Without the tragedy of the war, would have been unthinkable. And then in 1948, we had the Marshall Plan that released millions of US dollars into the reconstruction of Europe on condition of great cooperation around Europe and modernization. At a time where Europe could have just retracted, the UK could have just retracted and said, let's, let's hide, let's pull up the drawbridge, they began to build a fairer society. This is our moment and this is our opportunity. And so with your continued generosity, we are going to be able to continue at the same level, caring for the poor in Woking, Guildford and Aldershot. We're longing to see Lighthouse established uh, here in Guildford. We've had so many challenges. We're just looking at another venue right now. Uh, we're committed to uh, the, uh, finally opening the, the, the transformation centre we've got on the Barnsbury estate and so on. Please, when you make the decision, you know, to, to, to continue or to increase your standing order, or you make the decision in a moment to put money in the offering, this isn't just like a religious thing. This is in order to make us a storehouse of hope for the most hopeless people in society. And trust me, every pound counts. That's A. B. B, we are committed this year to uh, belonging. That's B. And, and particularly that's with Sundays and with collectives and with kids and youth work. Belonging. 
That might sound a strange word, but let's be honest. This has been a year of loneliness, of isolation, of fragmentation. And so clearly one of our great challenges this year, as well as meeting the need and the spirit of Lord Bevan after the war, is to help people to belong again. And it's not as simple as it might sound. Research has shown that 49% of people have said they are frightened of coming back together again, even once everyone's been vaccinated. We have a challenge on our hands to rebuild attendance on Sundays, to expand our collectives. And let me just say about collectives, this year has been a year when we've really had to put our money where our mouth is. We've always said in theory that collectives are the front line of the church, but this year they have become the front line. And I want to honour and thank all you collective leaders who, as well as dealing with all the challenges everyone else has been facing this year, homeschooling kids, personal tragedies, maybe professional challenges, you've been pouring yourself out week in, week out to create these lovely little cultures of support and care and prayer and fun and connection, albeit through a screen. Thank you. But we want to invest into collectives. We want to grow. We want to double the number of our collectives over the coming year. This is really how we belong. But also, we've got to think about our Sundays. The book of Hebrews says, do not give up meeting together as some are doing. The reason we need to meet together, there's three reasons why uh, that's important. And I know that for some of us, we feel frightened about it. And for some of us, there's a temptation to think, I quite like doing church, uh, you know, with, with, in my pajamas uh, and watching online. And, and maybe I'll just keep doing that. Let me tell you why strongly, and I believe from the Bible, I need to say to you, it's important that we meet physically together if we possibly can. Three reasons. Firstly, people need people. We just need to be together. And I don't have to justify that. You know that. If this year has taught us anything, people need people. Secondly, the sacraments. It's pretty hard to baptize online. You can just about do communion. Very hard if you've been living on your own this year, as many of you know. But really and truly, communion should be a celebration of our togetherness. Worship. You know, it's fine. Spotify playlists. And, you know, Pete Burton, I want to honor that guy. Man, the way he and the team have led us in worship through screens this year. But don't you just long to be together again, just worshipping the Lord, lost in wonder, love and praise, with that sense that the Spirit of God is in power in our midst and people are encountering Him and there's someone crying behind you and then a prophecy comes through that unlocks. I mean, that's the stuff we long for when God breaks in. And honestly, there with your cross on your pyjamas, it's just not the same. So we need to be together. For 2,000 years, the people of God, nothing has stopped us coming together and worshipping Jesus and opening the scriptures. Persecution hasn't stopped us. Famine hasn't stopped us. Fire hasn't stopped us. This pandemic, but for our screens, stopped us. It's time to come back together again and worship Jesus. And some of you say, well, I don't know. Who am I going to be sitting next to? Listen. If we even half take Black Lives Matter seriously, if we half take the Me Too movement seriously, we have to find ways of coming together as men and women together. 
as black and white together, as young and old together, as rich and poor together, and in Christ Jesus celebrating that we have something so strong in common that we can love each other along over our cultural divides, and we can actually celebrate our differences only in Christ. This is the call of the church, to be a prophetic community that, in the words of Galatians 3, says there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither male nor female, neither slave nor free. You cannot do that through a screen. In fact, a screen amplifies that. At some point, we have to move beyond hashtags to actual hugs. Sometimes we have to move beyond social media to social meetings. Let's not give up meeting together. Please, guys, let's uh, belong. Next, of course, we also, in wanting to help people to belong on Sundays and in collectives, we are going to keep helping people to belong online. And that's C, communications. Communications. One of the things that has changed for good, and I mean that literally as well as metaphorically, through the pandemic is streaming. And so we're going to keep, and many of you have been asking about this, and let me reassure you, we're going to keep streaming on Sundays, as well as meeting in person. We're going to keep streaming things like Alpha. Uh, we're going to keep streaming prayer meetings. My goodness, what a key that has been. And it's been amazing through this year, with between 1,500 and 2,000 people joining us like this, online that's individuals joining us online live and on demand every sunday 60 to 70 kids in uh, a week at hq 1200 downloads of our youth podcast the biggest alpha ever over this last year all online this is one of the ways we are going to be a storehouse of hope giving away uh, what god has given us and we have such moving feedback Someone wrote in and said, a few months ago I relocated to Woking and I didn't know anybody. The welcome that I have felt from Emmaus Road has been essential to me settling in this place. I am happy to report that I feel very well involved and integrated into the church, which is impressive given the current situation with COVID. My collective is fab. The evening service has been amazing. I've been volunteering at the Lighthouse on Mondays. I really want to stress, she says, how well I have been welcomed into the community. It hasn't just been adequate, it has blown me away and has gone above and beyond what I expected. It's so evident that welcome community and inclusion are part of this culture. That's all online. Someone else wrote in very simply. This is one sentence. Listen to this. I have watched your video online and wondered what would I need to do to know Jesus. Thank you. Guys, we can't stop. We've got to keep streaming as well as meeting in person. And there's two reasons for the couldn'ts and shouldn't and wouldn'ts. The couldn'ts, some people are going to have to keep shielding. Some people are isolated. Some people are in other countries but part of this community. You just couldn't get to be with us on a Sunday. We're also going to keep streaming for the woodens. Those are people who wouldn't normally come to church. And we get it. Listen, if you're not used to going to church, if you don't normally, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, and someone invites you to church, of course the first thing you do is Google it. Of course the first thing you do is you, you join in online a few times before you venture through the scary doors of a building. And so for the couldn'ts and the woodens, we are committed to keeping streaming. And listen, guys, this is the thing that in a moment we're going to take an offering for. Because... Um, some people have been asking about this. Let me just tell you absolutely clearly. 
Um, we are utterly indebted to Claire Wilkie and Limitless TV, who have been beyond brilliant through this whole year, keeping us online, helping us to stream. They are one of the top companies in the country for streaming, and Claire is part of this church. My goodness, we're grateful. And they've gone beyond the call of duty again and again. We're so grateful. But we've realized we need to stop outsourcing that and bring that back in-house, partly because they've got so much demand and they probably would like their Sundays back. I know Claire would like to be back in the worship band rather than behind the camera. Uh, but also uh, because it's, it's expensive. They, they are unbelievably generous and, and worth every penny. But we have spent more on streaming this year than we would have done in renting our venue. Some people say, well, you must be saving all this money from renting venues. No, no, no it's cost us more. What, when you sit down and watch this, just those little videos, they, they, they'll take weeks to make a, a one, two minute video. Uh, and the, the, the equipment and all the rest of it, we've got to now buy the equipment. Uh, we, we, we've got to get all that we need to do. And we costed it up and it's going to cost 50,000 pounds. Now, when you hear the stories like the ones I just shared about people getting integrated into church, non-Christians saying, how do I become a Christian? You, the biggest alpha yet, you realize we've got to keep doing this. And the price is 50,000. Now, I know it may sound a lot. Some of you might only be able to give a five or a tenner. Others of you can give a lot more. And, you know, if God has blessed you financially, your storehouse through this year, please put into our storehouse that we might be able to give away. Finally, and very, very quickly, the last letter is together, D and E, discipleship and evangelism. Discipleship and evangelism. This is really the one I feel most passionate about, if I'm honest, because I believe that we have a generational opportunity to preach the gospel and see thousands of people swept into the kingdom of God because everything that seemed safe suddenly got thrown up in the air by COVID and people began to ask new questions, people began to think about eternity, people began to think, well, what can I put my trust in if I can't put it in my job or in my finances or my health? And this is an opportunity for us to declare the good news of Jesus Christ. Christian Guy was challenging us recently, wasn't he, about courageous conversations. We're thrilled to have David and Louise Yagnazar now on the core leadership of this church and David playing this role as Elam, probably one of the key ministries, not the key ministry, serving the fastest growing church in the world in Iran. They have a resource called Safar, which helps every individual to disciple someone else. We want discipleship to become part of our culture. If you've only been a Christian for a week, brilliant, you've got a week's worth of knowledge to help someone who's seven days behind you. All of us can give something to someone else. And we don't want this to be just about programs like Alpha, grateful as those uh, we, we are for those. We want a culture of discipleship in this church. And uh, so we're looking at some models like Safar. That's why we're committed to fully planting Aldershot. Matt and Pat have done the most brilliant job. It's been fantastic. Uh, building the Aldershot church plant through a year and a bit of lockdown. But now they're going to be able to start very soon meeting publicly. Praise God. We know discipleship begins before conversion. Discipleship isn't just about, you know, getting baptized. That's a good place to start. It isn't just about giving money. That's an important thing to do. It's about our whole worldviews being shaped. And that's why we need to invest into us truly being followers of Jesus and living the way of Jesus in this world.
We'd love to be able to release somebody into this uh, full-time, ideally. Because what we found is when God speaks to us about an area, if you find the right person and release them into it, they then release everybody else into it. Instead of making paper clips or whatever they were doing as a job, if they can full-time invest the gifts God's given them and they can stir up a culture of that. And so that's it. That's our plan. A, B, C, D, E. Action. We are going to be a storehouse of hope for those who feel hopeless and need help by fighting injustice and caring for the poor and continuing to grow all that we're doing in that area. I know you don't want us to back off what we're doing there. Help us to continue. B, we are uh, going to be a storehouse of belonging, a place that people can come in through our doors, people who feel lonely, people who need to get stuck in with collectives, people who would never come to know Jesus if we didn't plant into Woking and Aldershot and wherever next. C, communications. We are going to continue to stream and enable people to connect with us as a church and receive our resources for free online. We're going to give out of our storehouse to those who are isolated, those who are lonely and those who don't yet know Jesus. D, we are committed to discipleship and evangelism. We're going to reach out and make disciples for Jesus Christ this year. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that he's commanded us. So we're going to seize this moment. We're going to hoist our sails on this tide. We're going to invest in the gospel. I said that this is a generational opportunity. It's like the NHS and the Marshall Plan at the end of the war. This is our great opportunity. And these are the five steps that we want to take to change the world for someone. Someone who's struggling financially. Someone who's struggling with addiction. Someone who hasn't got enough food to feed their family. Someone who can't afford to buy shoes for their kids to go back to school in. We're going to change the world for people uh, who may have just occasionally come to church maybe just come online, but really would love to get stuck in, would like to come out of lockdown into a community that's bigger than just a few people like them that they know from work, who want to belong, who are looking for family and looking for diversity in community too. We want to change the world at this moment for people who wouldn't otherwise be able to participate in our services. And we want to keep praying the way we're praying. And finally, we want to change the world. Most powerfully through discipleship and the gospel. Nothing changes a life more than encountering Jesus Christ and coming into a relationship with him. That changes everything. It changes your life now and forever. If you don't know Jesus today, please sign up for our next Alpha course. It starts on the 13th of May. In giving your money, you are giving hope. In giving your money, you are investing into the storehouse from which we can bless others at this time of famine. If you are struggling financially, please, no pressure. Uh, Our one-off giving has gone down 15% over the last year, and we understand it. People have lost jobs, people have found it hard. But actually, guys, if God's blessed you, and some people have done okay through this year, Some people have even done well financially. If that's 
you, then the Bible is absolutely clear. God has blessed you to bless others. You need to please consider giving more to subsidize those who can only give less. Don't necessarily get that new kitchen or that posh holiday. Why don't you give it to something eternal? Why don't you put something into our storehouse of hope today? I'm going to finish with one Bible verse and then we're just going to reflect. Adam and Hannah will come and please, please, uh, in a moment we're going to do possibly the most important thing we've done all year. We're going to give financially. We're going to literally put resources into this storehouse. So we're just going to keep you for another 10 minutes max, but please stay with us. But let me read you this scripture, and then Adam and Hannah will lead us in our response. 2 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul says this to you. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you, should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able, he says, to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So we're going to take a moment now just before Adam and Hannah come and lead the response, to before the Lord decide in our hearts, as it says in this scripture, what to give. It may be that God drops a particular figure in your heart. It may be that you need to talk to a husband or a wife, say, how much are we going to give? Sammy and I do this every year. Uh, We put our giving up every year, sometimes by little, sometimes more. But decide in your heart. And notice the apostle says, Don't give under compulsion. Please don't let me pressure you. If you feel pressured, don't give. But God loves a cheerful giver. If you're thinking, I want to put into this storehouse, I want my money to make a difference, more than I want some treat, some nice new kitchen surface or whatever it is, I want to make a difference in the lives of others. So we're going to just watch this video now. Use this time to make that decision and decide in your heart. God bless you all, and thank you for the most amazing year. Amen.